Paragon 7 Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. So it's not generally my my thing. I don't I don't spend a lot of time commenting about other shows. That's not what I do. I don't really care what other people are doing in their lives. I, I was raised to to mind my own business. You know I was saying earlier, I don't I don't care who's sleeping with who and about the scandal. I'm not I'm not watching other people's pockets. I don't care if Urban Meyer was getting a lap dance in Columbus. I don't care if Will and Jada Pinkett Smith have an open marriage. I don't even really care if you want to follow Alex Jones and listen to him and, and not be vaccinated and, and not take care of yourself. For the most part, I don't. it's none of my business. I have my own opinions. I tell people, look at all the facts, figure it out for yourself. I'm not a person that that calls for coaches' jobs. I, I, don't, I don't think that Matt Nagy should get fired because he had such a reprehensible plan to, to bring Justin Fields in his first start in the NFL. This is not my thing. That said, this new ESPN first take, and I know ESPN well because I used to be on ESPN Radio. That's where I got my start, ESPN Radio in Philadelphia. This new ESPN first take is really, really, really bad. And the ratings are taking a hit. So if you're not if you if you're not following, I, I'm a sports guy. So before I became a healthcare health cast, before I basically became the 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 dominant voice in healthcare from a media standpoint, and I have the receipts. Shout out to Episource, our 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 newest partner. We're doing a lot of cool stuff with them. We'll talk about that later in the week. And shout out to all of our other sponsors and consulting partners. But before I, I formatted and reformatted, started talking more about health, brought in Isaac Palmer Jr., brought in David Meyer, started going to rise, stuff like that. I was a I was a slappy, I was a Sunday scrub show host on ESPN and NBC Sports Radio. Taking calls from mostly drunk fans, antagonizing, especially when I was in Arizona, antagonizing. I was on the ASU station, their flagship, and then would come on after after their games aired Saturday night. I would come on on Sundays and talk about how Arizona State was a trash program and nobody cares about Arizona State football because if you've ever gone to Arizona State, uh, Arizona State's campus, there is a plethora of of absolutely gorgeous models and beautiful women who are very well proportioned, if I could say that. Channel my uh, inner Kevin Samuels. There are some real smoke shows. If I was at ASU, I wouldn't be worried about going to no game. I'd be trying to get into a frat so that I could go to parties and meet those fantastic Gorgeous, phenomenal-looking women who are perfectly tanned and manicured. But I digress before I get myself in trouble. This thing, so so Stephen A. Smith 
Then what Max Kellerman on the show. He didn't think that Max Kellerman and him had chemistry. He didn't think it was working out. So they so they whacked Max Kellerman and they demoted him. That's why ESPN is just some trash. I think Max Kellerman, first of all, a lot of times Max Kellerman is more about the cause than Stephen A. Smith. Max Kellerman is more down with the culture in many cases than Stephen A. Smith. I'm not going to pander to the, the unintelligent, hey, Stephen A. Smith doesn't agree with me, therefore he's Uncle Tom. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you watch the show, Max Kellerman seems to have more sympathy for the brothers than Stephen A. Smith. So they replaced him with Michael Irvin. And it's been, a, it's been kind of a disaster. It was... Not as good with Skip and Stephen A. Smith. I think that's the original obnoxious debate show that gained prominence. And I like, I like, I like, I like Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless on Fox Sports One, but it's Fox Sports One. FS1 is not a not as big of a platform. They have money because Fox News has lots of money, so they're not they're not like the Mickey Mouse organization, so they're not like Disney ABC slash ESPN slash whatever, Pixar, whatever. So Fox was able to pay for Cowherd and pay for Skip Bayless and pay for Shannon, but it's never going to be ESPN. It's a it's a B level organization. They might be paying you A level money, but they're not going to get the eyeballs. That, that ESPN is going to get. So it was a it was a downgrade from Skip Bayless to Max Kellerman. But this thing with, with Michael Irvin, I don't know if he's the full-time host. I don't know if he's the interim host. I don't know what's going on, but it's bad. You want to talk about two people just yelling at each other? Michael Irvin is not the most articulate person in the world. He was a, a Hall of Fame wide receiver, great player. A cowboy. How many cowboys are on TV? Tony Romo, Michael Irvin, Moose Johnson is on TV. Don Meredith used to host ABC Monday Night Football way back in the day. I mean, if you're Dak Prescott, you have to already be cashing in mentally on hey, when when I come when it comes to time where I can't play football anymore, I'm just gonna slide over to ESPN or Fox or or ABC. And there's going to be a job waiting for me. You know, maybe I'll take Troy Aikman's spot. Maybe I can slobber over the Cowboys after Troy Aikman is, is retired and not in the booth anymore. But, but, but Cowboys, considering that the Cowboys haven't won Jack Diddley's squat in many, many, many years, it's very interesting that, that, that Cowboys are all over the sports panorama. But this, this Stephen A. experiment... And, and he better be careful because, see, ESPN did Max Kellerman. They'll do Stephen A. Smith too, man. ESPN does everybody. They did Jamil Hill. They did Chris Berman. And the back, 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 back. They did, they did Tom Jackson. When ESPN doesn't get what they want from you, you're out. OWT. And Michael Irvin, it's bad enough that he's not very articulate. It's bad enough that. His takes are very outland. You want to talk about hot takes? People say that I'm Mr. Clickbait. 
It's bad enough that his takes are outlandish and unintelligible. But the worst part about that, and I'm not I'm not a person that makes fun of people for how they dress and how they look. That's not really my shtick. And I don't plan on making it my shtick. But his wardrobe is an absolute abomination. Michael Irvin, the way he dresses with those awful jackets. Stephen A. Smith can't dress either. He's a terrible dresser. But at least for the most part, he kind of sticks with black. He sticks with, with very neutral colors. Michael Irving's outfits are so loud and so abominable that he should get fined by the FCC. It is completely unacceptable the way that, that, that the, the look, the glasses, the hair, the outfits, the language, the back and forth with him and Stephen A. Smith, it's a bad product. It's a bad product. And they're taking a hit on ratings. And it's and it's bad. It sucks. It just shows ESPN. I think it's funny because I, I used to be, you know, ESPN, NBC. I used to I used to think that to brand that you had to have these guys co-sign on you. And and I thought when I was on ESPN, I thought that that was the coolest thing ever. I thought it was so cool. Then I realized that in 2021, you don't really need ESPN. You look at Pat McAfee. Well, I'd say that Pat McAfee's probably the hottest thing in sports. You look at Gillian Wallow. You look at people that have a podcast and they just put together a good podcast. It's authentic. You drop an F-bomb. Got all sorts of stuff going on. You don't need to have these contrived, fake conversations and people doing outlandish things. So I just I think it's a I think it's kind of a it's kind of a clown show. And I, I hate to diss brothers. I'm going to diss Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith's obviously much more talented and much more relevant than me. But it's a bad show. He's getting dragged down into the muck and the mire. And it gets progressively worse. And having Michael Irvin on there with his loud outfits and gator shoes. And and basically, basically, I'll, basically Michael Irvin dresses like it's Easter Sunday. Every day is Easter Sunday for Michael Irvin. And it's unacceptable. It's an optical blight on television. And, and it's just and it's just and it's just flat out awful. We'll be back. More Lance Day Show. Got another interview with my man Isaac Palmer Jr. in the healthcare series after these messages. Paragon, Paragon. Seven. Seven Studios. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. Classic sneakers I had. Patrick Ewins. Oh, Ewins was, was hot. The, 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 the blue, orange, and white. Was got those. Yeah, yeah, got a yeah, fresh yeah. pair. You gotta bring those into the studio. What? You gotta, you gotta bring And those I got the, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Adidas. I didn't even know that he had a shit. What? And I got the Stan Smith. I'm telling you, these. I don't even know what the Stan, Stan Smith, Smith is. Was, the Stan Smith, the green and whites, the official color. I got the official Pumas, the red. Suede, the blue suede, official Pumas, classic. So we're classic. Hold down. up, hold up. The first Air Force Ones, the Dunks, the Flights. Uh, what else was was crazies? Uh, uh, the Hibachis. James Lewis. You talking about the Harachis or Hibachis? the Hibachis? I call them Hibachis, Harachis, okay. whatever. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. You hear her blazing through your speakers. It's Ariana, the personality on Streets 99.3.
You put that uniform on, that Titan uniform, you better come to work. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. You drop a pass, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. You fumble the football, and I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind parts. And then you will run a mile. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. You don't know me. Probably never will. But I need you to do something for me. Something that could literally change everything. You'll never get a thank you card. And yet, I need you to do it. And if that weren't enough, I need you to do it as soon as you are able to. If you do this for me, I'll do it for you. And for every single person you love. Deal? This is our shot to leave COVID behind. Approaching, you're going to start seeing commercials about annual enrollment. The billions of dollars the federal government is invested into wellness programs, this is perhaps the best time since Medicare's inception to select highly competitive benefit plans. Many insurers, Isaac, are offering zero copays for prescription meds, along with social determinants of health programs such as food delivery, concierge even broadband internet access. Call the experts at Engage It Health to discuss the options in your geographic area at 844-478-8130 or go to engageithealth.com. That's engageithealth.com. You see how I read that out with no mistakes? That's why I make the big bucks. That's why I'm in the level of demand that that I'm in. Back on the Last Day Radio Network. With Isaac Palmer, we, we continue our series about uh, black men's health, which is so important to the Radio One, Urban One off, uh, uh, audience in, in, in D.C. that listens to us on WOL. So shout out to everybody in D.C. listening on, on, on the legendary WOL. Hmm. Same right. station that right. Al Sharpton comes from. So I, I hope that one day, Isaac... You know, you never know when, when Al Sharpton hangs them up. Maybe, maybe they'll ask Lance J to slide in. The there you go. There you go. I don't know if I'm I'm worthy to fill those shoes, but um, but we bring, have bring your own shoes. <laughs> bring your own shoes. We have another we have another guest um, in in this series uh, about healthcare. I'm gonna pass yeah, pass so everything over to Isaac. We're we're just we're just hearing from black men. We we're we're not talking to doctors. We're not talking to right. professionals. We want to hear uh, black men tell their stories uh, about interacting with healthcare and just see if our audience can learn from that. Sure. Um, not textbook, just stories. So we've got Edwin on the on the line. Edwin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you for for making the time. Um, you know, I I don't know your story. I I do know how it ends. Uh, I, well, I know the middle is a procedure. Well, and what's interesting about this procedure is that coming from an administrative background, I know that this procedure is very profitable, and this mm-hmm. is a a procedure that hospitals. Uh, Try, try to increase the numbers on. Okay. Uh, but now we're hearing from a patient. So I, I want to hear your journey. 
how did you get to that point? What was the, where did it begin? So kind of just take us to that story. Yeah, it started, yeah, it started like in 90, 97, 98. I started having hip problems. Mm. Um, and what it was, was I have um, arthritis. So I had loss of all of my cartilage in my hips. So it started with my my left hip and then my right hip. So I went in to get a, uh, a X-ray and they looked at it and they told me, "Oh, well, you have a you know you got a muscle strain or everything." So they sent me to a physical therapist and they worked on me and worked on me for like I don't know about maybe four or five months, and it was continuing to give me problems throughout the day, throughout my work day, and everything like that. And as I continued to go, and I just said, you know, this is this is not working. So I I uh, went to a uh, orthopedic surgeon, and uh, first they said, you know, you're too young to uh, to be having a fit problem. How old were you at the time? At the time, I was 34 years old. Yeah, that's hmm. okay. 34 years old, and unless, um, unless you were starting running back for the Raiders, that's that's pretty young. That's young to have hip issues. Exactly, exactly. So they were like, "Well, you know, you're too young, so we're gonna keep sending you to uh, therapy." And what they were doing, they were, and this is going on with the uh, epidemic of the opioids now, because they were sending me to the uh, pain doctor. And I remember the pain doctor said, you know, well, if you take care of my drugs the way you're supposed to, I'll give you all the pain medicine that you need. Wait, what? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's read. <laughs> what does that yeah. mean? Ron, that was yeah, he was giving me um, Vicodin. He was giving me Celebrex. Uh, he was giving me a couple of different opioids that I, I don't really remember right now. That was sure. a little while ago. And... Uh, it started to affect me, like just going to work. I was like, I'm real, like I felt like I was high going to work. Sure. I felt like mm. I was just, just, just drugged going to work. And I was like, I can't continue taking these things. Mm. And when I say he gave me a lot of pills, I mean, they were like maybe, maybe 50, 60 in a bottle. Wow. So, Whoa. so jump in. So, because both Isaac and I both run healthcare systems. So I'm my my quality hat's coming on. So you you're not going in requesting these drugs. It's not like you're going in and begging and going to multiple no. doctors trying to get prescriptions for sixty at a time so you can double up. They're actually pushing these medications on you, not not at right. your request. No, they're pushing these medications on you. Wow. And this is this is the problem that we're having today. So back then, this and I'm t this was oh, I don't know. This was like two thousand two, three. So they're like just pushing it on me. I never asked for these drugs. I just went to the doctor and I thought he was going to give me something, you know, something that, you know, helped my pain throughout the day or whatever. But he was like, nah, I can give you whatever you need. Just, you know, don't abuse them. And I was like, well, no, I, of course I wouldn't abuse them. But, you know, if you're going to prescribe me all these medications, I'm going to start to get hooked. And I did start to get hooked. I started to get hooked on the biking and then he gave yeah, me Viking in is strong. And yeah, biking in. I, you know, it was like, you know, it worked for like maybe a week, you know, I, it was taking my pain away. But like I said, I was feeling kind of groggy at work. I felt kind of like I was high 
And then it started what type to of, go away. What type of work situation? Were you in an office situation? You work outdoors? You, what, did, what did you do? Uh, what no, I, I, uh, I worked in an office situation. Okay. So, you know, it just affected me throughout the day. It's like I just felt like I was in a cloud. cloud. Wow. And um, once I started, it started to get, my body started to get used to them. And then I started to like, you know, I started to like want more. Yeah. And, you know, like I told my wife, I was like, I, I can't continue these things. And I, I had to actually flush them down the toilet mm. because I didn't want to continue taking them. You know, instead of trying to, like, maybe send me to another orthopedic surgeon to see what's going on, they just kept prescribing me pain medicine. This went, this went on for about two, three years. So wait a second. Let me just let me just advance the story just right. a little bit because I know you had hip surgery, but mm-hmm. at this point in the in 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 the story, no one is doing further diagnostics to understand what's really causing the pain. Am I am I reading nope. that right? Nope, not not they, at all. They're just giving you all. the easy solution. They're giving me the easy solution. That was the, that was their way out. And I and James, I don't want to talk about should or should I talk no, about, talk about you know what what doctors are getting on the side from the pharmaceutical company right. to push these? Yeah, they were right. they were just pushing them. I mean, no, you can bring it up. I mean, I I'll, I'll bring it up. I mean, I I I I worked in Medicare. I am an expert in star ratings for Medicare, uh-huh. which if you are a high rank star program, you get five percent additional reimbursement on your membership, which. If you're a huge player like Cigna or United, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars. And within those star measures, there are three measures for statin, diabetic drugs, and hypertensive drugs. And and we have to, by proxy, prescribe those drugs. You never say to the member, hey, you're right on the edge. You probably lose 10 pounds, five pounds. You got to give them the meds if they fall under yeah. that measure. That's part of the business. Um, and, and so I know you've seen it from the hospital side, but but I've definitely seen it. I've managed Part D. I've managed the pharmacy panorama at a very large health plan. So I factually know. Um, and it's it is structured by the federal government. It's not you, we're not rogue. I mean, it's it's part of the criteria. Do, do you think this is for James? Do you think that uh, blacks are adversely affected by this? Um, I do because, you know, I'm, I'm speaking from an actuarial science, sciences perspective. They know that the actuary for black stops at 72. So the, the drug and the, and the short term, uh, therapies for us, they don't really help us to survive. They just help us to have some quality of life. Yeah. Whereas, you know, some of our Caucasian brethren that have access, they're putting them on more long-term management programs weight management things that that really have more of a longitudinal benefit as opposed to just stopping the pain Mm. well exactly because see that's the that's the problem because they didn't they looked at me and said oh well you're young right especially Uh, i'm sure they looked at they looked at me and said well i was young and you know i'm a i'm a uh african-american and they probably said well you know you know we just medicate him right so you know we don't have to give him the surgery because that's what they kept saying so we're not going to give you the surgery. We're not going to give you the surgery. And I'm like, well, I'm in so much pain. I can't even sleep at night. <laughs> you know, I'm in pain throughout the day constantly. It was constant. It's, it was like a constant pain. So they, they just they just said, well, I'm just going to give you this medication. 
I mean, I probably, I mean, I don't know. I probably had five, six different medications yeah. throughout they that They said time. we're not giving you the surgery? Mm-hmm. They said they were not giving me the surgery because I was too young. Yeah, oh, okay. I mean, if you if you don't fall into the criteria, I mean, I think mm-hmm. that the system, they expect you to be hypertensive and or diabetic. If you have problems outside of that, it can be very difficult to to get your needs met. And for what I've seen, the biggest thing for me, Isaac, and people are now tying this up, being on Vicodin at 34 has a profound mental impact on somebody because pain over the course of time, I never forget Bill Walton. There's a documentary about Bill Walton, um, you know, Hall of Fame center for, for the Trailblazers and then back up for, for Boston Celtics. He talked about having back pain mm-hmm. and he talked about having, you know, at 6'11", having multiple herniated discs in his back and neck. And he's rich and he's, you know, a, a legend. He said that his pain was so bad that he wanted to commit suicide, that the pain was unbearable many years of constant pain and you either have the choice to to take the medications and then experience some of these things or deal with the pain so it's it's a much when you're in this at 34 you're talking about being on this stuff for 20 30 years it's much different than even someone at 70 that starts to have this pain where they're a little bit older in life um so i can't imagine being at 34 and being in that situation what were you able to do to overcome um how have you how have you managed since then you know what? I, I I was very fortunate that I didn't get cooked on these drugs, that right. I was, yes. that That's I just said, you know what? I, I didn't like the way they made me feel, right. so I dumped them. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could have been hooked for, I could have been yep. hooked forever. Yep. But I got, I actually got with a surgeon mm. here in the city that I live in, and he was, he looked at my charts. He said, oh, yeah, you have uh, arthritis. You have no cartilage in your uh left hip and your right hip you have very little when do you want the surgery hmm. so you uh, went you went bionic you had you had double hip surgery uh no i didn't have my second hip surgery okay. too so i had my first hip surgery 15 16 years ago and then i had my second hip surgery seven eight years ago and how how um i think this is a great question for people listening because i know a lot i know a lot of people that know that they need a knee replacement or know that they need a hip replacement eventually because the doctor said, hey, it's degenerative, mm-hmm. you're losing blood flow, you're losing cartilage. You don't have to have it now, but you're going to have to have it five years from now or three years from now. How have you recovered mm-hmm. since then, and how's your quality of life been? Uh, my quality of life is terrible. I mean, I just uh, resigned from my position at, the, uh, at a park district that I worked at because my pain was unbearable to okay, so still continue working. Uh, so with these, even with these double hip surgeries, even though that I got these prosthetic hips, mm-hmm. uh, I still have very, you know, very bad pain, okay. especially in my right hip. I'm really having a lot of pain. I have a pin in my left hip and my right hip is, is actually cemented together. Mm-hmm. So that was a new procedure. Yeah, uh, th- this is this is one of those cases where uh, integrated care, coordinated care, someone that is his advocate could help out and, right. and coordinate these services and talk right. on his behalf. Um, hey, we're we're pressed up against time, but I, I appreciate you telling your story. Hopefully, you can check in later uh, and give us an update. Yeah, thanks so much. Absolutely, thanks so much. Yeah, no and, problem. Um, definitely wish you just continue recovery and, and continue fighting. 
At Industrious, we don't want anything to get between you and your great day. That's why our private offices and suites come with everything you need to safely connect with your teammates in person or over Zoom so you can make every day a great one. Go to IndustriousOffice.com. Enjoy a great day at Industrious on us when you book a tour at IndustriousOffice.com.